Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. So we moved here to Bucks County about seven years ago now. And when we moved into our house, we moved in May. And a few months later, we hit, this was in 2016, we hit a very hot spell. And so there was a week where it was like, you know, over 100. And when, you know, our air conditioner broke. So we, here we are in this house that we aren't familiar with, air conditioner broke, and so we called, we had a home warranty. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but we had a home warranty that turned out to be absolutely worthless. And so we're like calling, they're not returning my calls, didn't send anybody out, blah, 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 blah. So we went like several days and we're just like, you know, please, like we need some relief here. And so finally we got a reputable AC company to come out and it still took them several days. Like this was some really complicated thing. And so it took them several days to figure out what was wrong and get the right part and finally fix the air conditioner. And I learned in that time as we're waiting that I never would have done well as an early settler in this area because I, I really like to have AC. Now, how, but I, how would it have been? How strange would it have been after all of that hassle and all of that waiting, we got the air conditioner fixed and then we didn't use it? I mean, how weird would that be? Why would we continue to go upstairs, you know, and not be able to sleep because we're just drenched in sweat? I mean, how weird would that be? That's not the point of getting an air conditioner fixed, right? I mean, you get the air conditioner fixed so you can use it so that you can enjoy it. It seems like some Christians and some pastors even have a mentality or an impression that God's main concern is fixing our sin problem, that God wants to fix us. And, and he does, he does wanna solve our sin problem, but that is not the end that God is after. That is a means to an end. And, we, and the end we actually see in our, our key verse, if you haven't been with us, there's a key verse in the book of Romans that we keep coming back to. It's Romans 1:17. Before we put it on the screen, can you say it with me? The one who, by faith, is righteous shall live. All right, that is kind of the, the key message of the whole book of Romans. And if God's primary purpose for us was to fix our sin problem, then this verse would say something like, the way to be right with God is by faith. And there are other verses that say virtually that, but this verse captures what God's end goal is. His end goal is life. Becoming right with him is, is, I mean, his end goal is to be rich with him. So the end goal of being right with God is to be rich with God. And I'm not talking about money here. I mean, that, that is too, that's too narrow. What I'm talking about is experiencing life with God such that he becomes the answer and the solution to your loneliness, to your, your fear, to, to the idolatry 
in your life. If you've been with us, you know that from the beginning of, of Romans, idolatry is our core issue, the core issue of every person. We substitute something else in our life for that spot where only the true God should be. So, so God wants to solve that for us. He wants to fill that space. He wants to give us life and victory over the unbreakable, seemingly unbreakable habits that we have that destroy our relationships. Everything that depletes us of life, God is wanting to counter and give us life in place of that. And so I wanna just ask you to do something uncomfortable. Don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or say anything out loud, but I just want you to ask, I wanna ask you to think back, maybe over the last year, over 10 years, and think of something you regret. Something that you did or something you said that you wish you could undo. So when that comes to mind, here, here's what being rich with God looks like. The next time you encounter that situation, being rich with God means that, that your response to that situation can look different because God is in your life. We're, we're gonna discover how that all works this morning. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter five. And we are beginning season two of of Romans, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, there should be one, hopefully on a seat near you, and it is helpful for you to look this up. It's on page 1043. You can follow along there. Um, as we study through this book of Romans, it's very long, and so we're running from January to Thanksgiving, and so we thought it would be a good idea to kind of get handles on it by breaking it up into some pieces. We're breaking it up into four seasons. And those four seasons are, um, we, we've just come through season one. Season one is the righteousness of God revealed in universal condemnation. So it's been pretty heavy. I mean, we're finding out how every one of us deserves separation from God because we have fallen short of his standard for us. It's been pretty heavy. If you've missed that season and you're new with us, you're probably happy that you missed that season because it's so heavy. But I will tell you this, if you missed it, you, uh, it, it would help you to go back and read uh, Romans one through four because it lays a foundation and it gets us ready for all the really good stuff that is yet to come. And I'll point out, I wanna point out three specific messages that kind of capture the, the essence of those first four chapters. The one would be from January 15th. That's where we talked about that the verse, Romans 1, 17. So uh, January 15th would be one message to listen to. February 19th and February 26th, those kind of zero in on the, the main points of chapters one through four. So, Season one, universal condemnation. Season two that we're beginning now, the righteousness of God revealed in accessible salvation. So this is the hope that we have. There is universal condemnation affects every person, but there's a salvation that God provides that is accessible for everyone. And then in July, we will look at the righteousness of God revealed in special election. So God's call to his God calling people into his, his family. And then in September, we will begin the righteousness of God revealed in personal transformation. That's where Romans will begin to be very practical. So I know I've heard from a few people every now and then, you know, you're just like, well, when are we gonna get to like, how do I, 
how do I resolve conflict? And, you know, just the, the practical everyday stuff. We will get to that, and there's a lot at the end of Romans, but it's, it should tell us something that we go for a long time in Romans before we get to those practical things. It's not that there's nothing to apply, but everything that we apply in chapters one through 11 is about what we believe. If we don't change the way we think and the way we believe, any kind of behavior change we make is gonna be temporary at best. And so you can't just jump to, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna change something. We, we have to change how we think and then our behavior follows from that. Today, we're beginning season two with Romans five, verse one. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith. So let me just pause right there. There's a couple of fun teaching points here this morning in this passage. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore, some of you know this already, you should ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? So the word therefore is here to point us back to what has come before chapters one through four, and there is a summary of chapters one through four in the next phrase. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. That's the summary of all of what chapters one through four are talking about. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in chapters one through four, what we see is that we all have a sin problem, and that God has provided a solution to that sin problem. He has taken our unpayable debt. What, he, what we find out in chapters one through four is that you and I each have an unpayable debt. And I, I gave this illustration a few weeks ago Jesus from Jesus' parable about the unforgiving servant. So there's a, a servant that comes to his master to settle accounts, that servant represents you and me. He has an unpayable debt. And then the, he ends up not forgiving a, a peer of his. And God says, what is up with that? I've forgiven you so much. I mean, how can you possibly not forgive this relatively small debt? The, the number that Jesus gives for the unpayable debt is 10,000 talents. One talent represents 20 years of wages. So do the math the debt that this servant owes is 200,000 years worth of wages. How do you even incur a debt that deep? But that's the picture. That's the picture that Jesus gives of the debt that you and I have before our master. It is an unpayable debt, it's impossible. And so what we find in, at, at the end of chapters one through four is that God has brought our unpayable debt balance to zero. It's phenomenal, he pays all of that off. What we're going to find now as we move into chapters five through 12 is that God has not only canceled our unpayable debt, he has made an uncountable deposit into our account. So if you imagine going home this afternoon, getting online, checking your, your account, and you find that someone has made a deposit there that has so many zeros, there is no word for that number, okay? This is beyond million, billion, trillion. This is, this is a number like, wow, where, you know, this is impossible, I could never spend this much, and that's the point. Imagine that God has given you the key now to a vault that you open up, and it's like you walked into the room at the end of National Treasure, 
and you know, the lights come on, the fire comes out, and you're just like all this stuff. Like you could go in there every day with a bucket and bring gold out and trade it in, and you got and you can spend it and you can come back the next day, and you will never be able to deplete the riches that God has given to you. That's the message of the book of Romans. And what we're gonna be talking about now is how do we tap into those riches that God has provided for us? Please understand that as I talk about this, this is not about the prosperity gospel. This is not the idea that God's gonna make you rich so that you can have all kinds of great stuff. This, this is about God super abundantly meeting needs in your life and, and just bestowing grace on you so that you can be a blessing to others. The prosperity gospel is a whole lot about self. It's about making me happy with the stuff that I want. This is about God making you rich so that you can be a blessing to people around you. I mean, the, the end goal of being right with God is being rich with God. Let me, let me give you a picture that has nothing to do with money that, that describes how God makes us rich with him. I know that several of you, several families in our church right now are, are dealing with cancer. Dorold actually passed away from cancer. There, there are a couple of ways to face that journey in, in life. And, and many people face that journey with terrible fear and anxiety and panic. And there are others then, and many of you who are facing it right here in our church family, who are facing it with peace and with, with a security of knowing that whatever happens in my, my journey, I know where I'm gonna end up. I know where I'm gonna be with the Lord forever, and that's the most important thing. So there's a peace from that. And I've even heard some of you say who are walking through this, like my prayer is as I walk through this is that I want the medical personnel, I want my doctor, I want my nurses, I want the people who are watching me walk through this to see something different in me. I want them to get hope from the way I'm handling this situation. That is richness, people. That's richness. When you can walk through a journey of life that, that fills some people with, with fear and you're, and you're trying to figure out how to protect yourself and God turns that outward and says, you have nothing to fear. You can actually be concerned about the people who are around you. That's what I'm talking about. That the goal is, uh, God's goal is for us to be rich with him. So having said all that, we got five verses today. This is so dense and so rich that we could take the whole month on this, but we got a schedule to keep, so we're not gonna do that, and we're, we're gonna go through this. So um, to narrow this down, let me give you a, another teaching point for this morning. Anytime you're, you're trying to unpack a verse or unpack a, a, a paragraph and, and really dig into it, watch the verbs first. So look for the verbs, what is God doing? What is he asking us to do? What is he asking us not to do? Look for the action that's going on. So we're gonna look at four verbs in these verses to narrow it down. They're, they're gonna be four perfect tense 
verbs. They are the four perfect tense verbs. So let me explain. This is going to be a little nerdy. So some of you will really, really love it, and others of you will be like, man, this is getting way too technical, so I'll try to keep it um, not too technical. So a perfect verb. There are, there are a couple of ways to express past action in the Greek language. So one of them is a perfect tense verb, and a perfect tense verb is a completed action with ongoing results. Another way to to communicate past action in Greek is called an aorist tense verb, and that verb is more like a point in time, like it's just something that happened, and then it was over, and then life goes on. But a perfect tense verb, it happened, and there's ongoing results as a result. So let me give you an example of this. So last Easter, we brought Honey the dog home. Last Easter weekend, she doesn't look like that anymore. She's about four times that size now. But Sherry wishes she still looked like that, but I'm kind of digging that she's, you know, actually looks like a dog. So anyway, we brought her home. So we brought honey home. If that was an aorist tense verb, it means like on Saturday afternoon, the day before Easter, we brought honey home. We brought her into our house. And then who knows what happened since then? I mean, lots of things could happen. And there have been days where we've been like, we're kind of ready for honey not to be in our home anymore. There have been a few days like that. But the reality is we can use a perfect tense verb for this and say, last Easter, we brought honey home. And we brought her home. She's home. It's ongoing. She's still with us, chewing up stuff and all. So it's a, it's a completed action with ongoing results. So that's the kind of verbs that we're talking about here this morning. We're going to look at four of them. We're going to look at three primary ones and then one bonus at the end. And here's what these three verbs are going to tell us. Okay? First of all, something we have. Secondly, somewhere we stand. And then thirdly, some, something we know. Okay? And then the last one will be a bonus. Blessing. All right, first of all, something we have. All right, the first perfect tense verb we encounter is in verse two. So verse one is really great. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We're gonna talk more about that next week because Paul's gonna come back to the whole concept of reconciliation with God. We'll talk much more about that next week. So verse two, though, says, through him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So the first verb is that we have access to grace. We have it, like it's ongoing. We're not gonna lose it. Access, the, the concept of access is really beautiful. The, the word kind of calls to mind being led into the presence of royalty. So we're coming into the place of a, a supreme person, a, a king, and we are escorted and accompanied by Jesus into that, that presence. It calls to mind, if you're familiar at all with the, the Old Testament, um, with the, the Hebrew scriptures and the picture of temple access. So when the temple was established, there were sections, there were parts of the temple that not just anybody could go into. There was a holy place and only the priests could go there. And then there was a most holy place and only one person out of all the, the whole nation, only one person out of the whole world could go into the most holy place and that was the, the chief priest, the high priest. 
And he could only go in one day a year. He couldn't just go in whenever he wanted. He could only go in one day a year. And he had to go through all this ritual to make sure that his um, sins had been covered over and blood had atoned for them. He had to go through all of this to go in. And there was such a fear that his access, he might violate his access, that he would go in with bells on his, his feet and they would tie a rope to his feet so that as he's in there uh, doing worship and actually making sacrifice for the rest of the people, if the bells stopped ringing, they knew that somehow he had violated God's standard and had been struck dead, and so they had a rope to pull him out. That's how restrictive the access was. You and I do not have, in our natural state, access to God. The, the access to God is that restricted. And so this is phenomenal news to us in verse two, that through Christ, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. See, Christ now is our access to God. He said in John chapter 10, I am the door. I'm the door, I'm the way you get in. And then in Ephesians 3, Paul said, Paul refers to Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We don't have any confidence. We don't have any access through our performance and the things that we do. We have only access through Christ. If you were here last Sunday, I shared the, the illustration of going down to one of the, the agencies in the federal building downtown in Philly, and I got access to some behind-the-scenes thing, only things to see, only because there's one of you that attends Grace Point that has his security clearances, and he has a badge and, and access, so he was able to let me in. That's the only way that I got in. The only way we get in to God is with Jesus. So this is something we have. Perfect tense, completed action, ongoing results, access by faith to grace. The second perfect tense verb is somewhere we stand in the same verse, verse two. We've obtained access, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, in which we stand. Perfect tense verb, completed action, ongoing results. Our access, your access to God is not shaky. It's not temporary. It's not subject to change because it's not based on your performance. If it were based on our performance, it would be very shaky indeed. But because, and, and I love what uh, Jeremy said a, a few weeks ago. He said, if our salvation was up to us, then we could never earn it. And if it were up to us, then we would surely lose it. But praise God, it's not up to us. The end goal of, of being right with God is being rich with God. And so we can picture, you can picture yourself standing confidently before God with full access because you're immersed in grace. You're covered over, your sin is washed away because of what Jesus has done. We have unlimited access to grace that covers our sin, which allows us into God's presence, and we have an unshakable standing in grace before God. And now the third blessing is something we know. 
And this is going to speak to, to some of you right, right where you're at right now, something we know. So, end of verse 2, we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, right, that's the perfect tense, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Okay, as, as I said, there's so much here that we can't get into. There's so many words that we could unpack, great words, peace, um, hope, uh, rejoicing. So when it says in verse two, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I mean, that picture makes sense. That resonates for us, that we would rejoice in the glory of God, in the hope of the glory of God. Because one day we can look forward to, and we sang about this, oh, glorious day. One, one day we look forward to seeing God face to face, leaving behind the mess and the brokenness of this world and seeing God, seeing the glory of God undiminished with our own eyes. So we look forward to that. We rejoice in the hope of that. We also rejoice in the hope of the glory of God in this life. Um, I think of Romans 3.23. If you wanna flip there for a second, Romans 3.23. This is a, a very sobering verse but it's because it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Meaning that you and I, in our condemnation, in our falling short, in our sin, we don't reflect the glory of God that we were meant to reflect. God created us in his image. He intended that we would reflect the beauty of him, that we would work in a way that just makes him look good. That is all broken, and we fall short of that. But we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God being better reflected in us as Christ is changing us in this life like we can look forward to, as we talked about, you know, looking back at that regret and, and thinking that can be different, we can say, man, my life can bring God more glory. So that makes sense. We can resonate with that rejoicing. But then he goes on to say that we rejoice in our sufferings. Now that's just weird. You know, that's strange. Like, like we usually think of people who, who like pain as there's probably something a little bit mentally amiss there, right? And yet he says we are rejoicing in our suffering. So we're not, but, but he goes on to explain it and qualify it. We're not just rejoicing in pain, that, that's strange, but knowing, perfect tense verb, knowing that suffering produces endurance. There's a higher purpose to our suffering. It's not just getting through the pain. God's doing something with it. This, this Greek word for suffering has the, the idea of being under pressure. So it's like when, when you feel like the world is just like weighing on your shoulders and pressing in, and it's just like you're claustrophobic and things are just you know, becoming too much to handle. That's the idea of, of suffering. And he says that our suffering produces endurance. Endurance is the ability to withstand that pressure. See, we, we want the pressure to go away. We want the external pressure to stop pressing on us. 
And sometimes God says, I'm not gonna take away the external pressure because I'm wanting to build in you the internal resistance to handle that, that pressure. That, that's the way a diamond gets made, right? A useless, worthless piece of coal that could be burned in a furnace or under pressure, it transforms into a, a priceless gem. Endurance, one of the dictionaries that I use as a, as a reference defines it this way, the brave patience with which the Christian contends against the various hindrances, persecutions, and temptations that befall him in the conflict with the inner and outer world. Brave patience. You, you know, this brings to my mind our, our brothers and sisters in Lebanon as we are partnered with them. If you're new, um, we have a, a focused partnership with uh, a, a church in Lebanon called Amshit Baptist Church. And then we, we partner with another organization called Horizons there. And I had the opportunity to go there a year ago and we've had several teams that have gone even since. And I took this picture and this is just a typical scene in Beirut. This is not like the slums or anything. This is just like a typical street. Uh, and we, as we've talked about this, you, you probably have some idea of their economic, they are in economic free fall. I mean, their, their money is worth almost nothing. Things in the, in the store just keep increasing in their prices, but their wages are not changing at all. And it's just pressure after pressure. Then there's this, this earthquake that happened not too far away. And so they keep getting hit with all of these things. And then on top of all of that, I'm in touch with Pastor Joseph at Amsheet Church. And he shared with me a few, about a month or so ago, that he himself has like excruciating pain in his legs that is almost constant. And so it's to the point where sometimes he will, after he's been sitting for a while to get up, he just literally can't walk. Like he's got to get up and just let his legs get circulating again. And so he's dealing with that on top of all of these external pressures and trying as a pastor to speak hope into the lives of his people. It's just thing after thing after thing. And so all of this external pressure that's happening and yet when you talk with him or you talk with any of those precious people there, their hope is so real and they, they just love the Lord and they're trusting in the Lord and they, they are a model to me of endurance. I mean, I'm sitting over here complaining about my air conditioning. It's like, wah, wah, you know, go cry me a river, you know, but they are really enduring so much and God is producing so much endurance in them. And before I leave the, the topic of Lebanon, I just wanna say that we are planning another, our next trip to Lebanon that will be in July of this year. And so if you are interested in that at all, we have a, a form for you to express your interest in that. You may not wanna go this July, but if you have interest in going anytime in the future, stop by our Welcome Center and pick up one of these and just go ahead and fill it out, get your name in the mix to be talking about these future trips, opportunities for us to go and come alongside of, of these wonderful people and, and encourage them. Endurance, endurance basically is that you are still standing when the storm is over. I mean, any of you have big storm last night come through your place? Like we had a major, major storm. And so, and I actually walked through our neighborhood this morning, a big, huge branch broke off of, of a tree. 
Endurance is that when the storm is over, you're still standing. You, you may not look pretty. Your hair may be a mess. You may have some, some scars. You may have gotten hit by something that was blowing at you. But you're still standing. You and I need endurance to be able to stand and make it through the race of this life because there are gonna be tough seasons. You need endurance to be able to make it in the race if, you are, if you're married, in, in your marriage. You will need endurance because you're gonna face some times that are gonna be really difficult. In, in your career, you're, you're gonna have moments where you feel like giving up. You're gonna have times where you, you have really sensed God calling you to a certain, a certain vocation, and there are gonna be times where that becomes difficult for one reason or another, and you're gonna to have to have endurance to press through that. There, there are instances in our lives, our, our, just our testimony, walking with Jesus, there are so many opportunities to get off the path. We will need endurance to be able to, to make it and finish well, and suffering, Paul tells us, suffering is what God uses to produce endurance inside of us. So every time you encounter an obstacle, every time you encounter something that prompts suffering in your life, this is an opportunity for God to be building you up internally. And so in verse three, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. There's this cascade of beautiful, really vital things for our lives. And the cascade ends with hope, which leads, leads us to our bonus blessing in verse five. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love, God's love has been poured into our hearts, that, that's the last verb, that's the last perfect tense verb. God's love has been poured into our hearts, a completed action with ongoing results. His love is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the first mention of love in Romans. I don't have time to, to talk more about it now, but we will talk more about it, in fact, next week. We are, we are skimming the surface on these verses, but we're out of time episode one of season two. I, I just wanna say this. I, I know that some of you have communicated to me how much this study and may they become convinced of your promise to make them right with God, not because of their efforts or because of what they've done, but because of what Jesus has done and credited to their account. We thank you, Jesus, for doing that. So in your name we pray. There, we put those there for you to take with you and pray over that this week, to pray and say, God, who, who needs hope? Who needs the blessing of hearing from, from your word? And take that with you, hand it to somebody this week, offer to buy them brunch afterwards, bribe them, whatever you need to do, you know, to get them here. We have, it's an amazing passage next week. We're continuing right in Romans and it's perfect for people who don't yet have a relationship with Christ but those of us who do will be encouraged by it in well, so, as well. So I encourage you to take that and you can pick up more at the Welcome Center. If you wanna invite more than one person, please do. The end goal of being right with God is being rich with God. So 
Maybe one of those four perfect tense verbs speaks to your need right now. I would encourage you to personalize it in, in this way. Since I have been justified through faith, I'm just taking verse one and I'm personalizing it. Since I have been justified by faith, First verb is, I have access to grace. Maybe that's where you need to camp this week. I have access to grace. I'm not rejected anymore. God allows me into his presence. Or maybe it's, I stand in grace. It's not shaky. It's not iffy. It's not in danger of change. God's not gonna change his mind. I stand in grace. Completed action, ongoing results. Or maybe you're in the midst of a season of suffering. You, you need to say, I know that in my suffering, God is producing perseverance, endurance. Or maybe you just need a good dose of God's love. God's love, since I've been justified through faith, God's love is poured into my heart. We're entering into Holy Week. It's a somber time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. It's also a time to celebrate the fact that what he did, he did out of love for you. You can celebrate his love this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, the, thank you for paying off our unpayable debt and for making an uncountable deposit into our account that we will never be able to deplete. Lord, you are so gracious, so generous, and Lord, I pray that as we continue in this study and even just what we've talked about here this morning, Lord, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see what riches are available for us because you want us to live, you want us to be rich in you, with you, relating to you, filled with you so that then we are being a generous blessing to the people around us. Lord, would you do that work in us today, every day, all of our tomorrows, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.